0: I have returned. It's been a rough couple of, um, rough couple of days since we last spoke, y'all. Obviously, we had the episode with Trayvon. Shout out with Trayvon again. Hell of an episode. But since then, I've actually relocated. I moved from my parents' house in Memphis, Tennessee. The semester at USC started, so I ended up relocating, moving out here to Los Angeles. I'm about five minutes from campus. Um really stressful y'all know how it goes when you move i've never really taken on that task right i've moved a lot before i've actually moved more than the average person right moved from new jersey to memphis to georgia california i've moved around but i've always been a kid right so that's my parents handling the majority of the burdens This is the first time I've actually moved into a place having to worry about things like a security deposit, making sure all the bills are correct. And my sister was here to help me the entire time, which was I don't know how I would have gotten this stuff done if she wasn't here. But it was still extremely stressful. We didn't have electricity. (laughs) We just didn't have electricity because I won't give out my address because I know some of y'all out there will pull up on me because I said something wrong about your favorite team or whatever. But you have the street name and then it's called place, right? It's da 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 place. When we told the electric company where to uh, route the electricity to, we told them place, but for whatever reason they inputted it as street. So we said we live at do da do place. And they on their end said, okay, we gotta route the stuff to do da do do street. Does that make sense? So for the first three days, no way to charge my phone, no way to take a hot shower, no refrigerated goods, all of the things that you just kind of take for granted because electricity is like a, a a regular thing in life, right? All those things that we take for granted, we don't have for, for three days, 36 hours, man. 36 hours is not three days. Ooh, I'm bad at math. 72 hours. None of that. Extremely frustrating, but enough about that. You guys don't want to hear about my moving endeavors. You guys want to hear what Reagan has to say about what's going on in the sports world. So let's get into it. This week's episode is going to be a fantasy football special episode per request by Jared Weinstein. Shout out to Jared for that. Apparently, I want to know what I uh, what I think about fantasy football. I don't think I'm some expert, right? I'm not one of these dudes that. Grinds out fantasy football seasons, does all the numbers checks, checks all the trends and all that. I'm not one of those dudes, but most leagues I join, I tend to be pretty good. So when we talk about the advice that I have to give in terms of fantasy football. The biggest thing I have to say, right? You're going to get out what you put in. You're going to get out what you put in. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people who will join a league do the draft, do all the studying that they need. to. They'll come with the big board, all that stuff for the draft. Be really into it, really checking the waiver wires for weeks one through three. And then something comes up, you know, life happens. And now they're not as into it. And come week 17, that playoffs, their team's not even in it, right? Because they, they just got busy with other stuff. And that's fine. As my uh, hoop and holler mate, (laughs) Julio Martinez, likes to say, that's fine. But if you want to win a fantasy league, the key is being invested in it from start to finish. Because those weeks right after people stop caring about it, that's where you win. In my experience, at least. Because when people stop caring, that waiver wire gets a whole lot more open, man. A whole lot more open start picking up dudes who are having late season uh, resurgences. You know what I'm saying? That's how you win, in my experience, because the people who stop caring early, their teams don't end up all that well. And obviously, you want to have a good draft. That's going to be a solid foundation for the future of your team, and I'll get into all that. But take, if you take nothing else away from this episode, understand that it's not just about the draft it's not just about the waiver wire for the first three weeks. This is a marathon. It's an endurance race. It's not a sprint because you've come out of the gates hot and then you stop caring, right? Tell y'all a story. (laughs) I used to run track. We all know this. And when, uh, when I first ran my first 400, right, I'd never run the 400 meters before. I'd barely tracked or I barely practiced up to that point at all. So I didn't know what my endurance looked like. Mind you, I'm about nine years old at this point in time. So I just know I have to go out there and run. That's the only thing I know is like, okay, there's a race. There's other people that I'm racing against. I want to win. Let me go out there and run. It's a 400 race. I didn't know how much endurance it took to actually run the thing, right? At that age, they kind of tell you, get out for a hundred meters, Maybe, you know, stride it out for another 200 meters and then close the last 100 with as much as you you got left in you. I didn't know that. No one told me this. (laughs) So what does Reagan do? Reagan comes out of the blocks blazing speed, right? Blazing speed. He's moving, he's moving, he's moving, he's moving. And he hits that 100 meter mark where most guys are like, okay, now let me stride it out. save some energy to finish the race nope that's not what little reagan does reagan hits that 100 meter mark and he's like okay i'm still the race isn't over so i'm still gonna sprint he's moving he's moving he's moving he's moving busting my ass right hits the 200 meter mark (laughs) everybody's still coasting conserving their energy what's reagan doing He's moving, he's moving, he's moving. Like, I'm busting my ass. I'm hauling ass, y'all. I am hauling ass for a good 250 to 300 meters. And then I'm like, wait, how long is this race? Because once I hit that 300 meter mark, boy, oh boy, oh boy. I died out. Luckily, I got second because I built up such a lead to that point. But when I tell you I died out at that 300 meter mark, Like, it was a slow jog to the finish. Because of what? I didn't run the whole race. I thought out, I got out to sprint, right? And I didn't finish the entire thing. I didn't strategize. I didn't save my energy. All of this is to say, it's not a sprint. This is an endurance race. Make sure that you're in it for the long haul if you want to be successful. But let's get into the draft, man. I know that's what you guys want to hear about. You guys want to hear what I think about the draft. So, you want to build a strong foundation. I, I can say all of this about, you know, it's an endurance race, but if you have a sucky draft, you're basically setting yourself up for failure because you're going to have too much ground to cover if you have a sucky draft. So that's primarily what I'm going to talk That's, ooh, 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 <laughs> let me slow down. That's primarily what I'm going to be talking about today. Strategies to help you with your draft. Make sure that uh, you, get, you get your team right, set up for the future. So... As with any draft, let's start with round one. Y'all, I cannot emphasize this enough. And I'm speaking, I'm going to assume my audience is into fantasy football, but not like an expert at fantasy football. Not somebody that intensely cares about fantasy football. That's what I'm going to make the assumption here. So some of you guys probably make this mistake. Do not underestimate any circumstances, ever, 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 do not draft a quarterback in the first round. Do not draft a quarterback in the first round of a fantasy draft unless it's Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Those are the only two you can have any sort of justification for to draft in the first round. And even then, I have my questions. I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't, you know, burn you at the stake for drafting Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson first round. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, one of the most talented, not even one of the most, the most talented quarterbacks of all time. The the Chiefs offense is extremely dynamic. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Lamar Jackson is a guy that gets it done with his arm as well as his legs. So you're going to definitely be picking up those yardage points as well. But outside of those two people, do not let me catch y'all drafting Aaron Rodgers in the first round, Tom Brady in the first round, Russell Wilson in the first round, Deshaun Watson. And the- I-, I don't want to see that because that first round matters so, so, so much. That's going to be a guy that's damn near guaranteed to contribute to you winning fantasy weeks, right? Right. That's a guy that's almost guaranteed, barring any injury, barring something you know completely unforeseen. These are the guys that you absolutely are positive are going to be major contributors to your team being successful. Do not waste that on a quarterback. Yes, in a real football game, on the field, between the numbers on the gridiron, a quarterback is the most important person. Get out of that mindset when you're playing fantasy. This is not real football. This is fantasy football. A quarterback is not the most important thing. Hell, it might not even be in the top three most important things. Your running backs. Your wide receivers. Your flex. You could even make an argument that your tight end might matter. The reason I say this is because... Quarterbacks generally garner their numbers, right? Quarterbacks are going to throw for 300 and, you know, you know, week to week, 300 to 400 yards, two to three touchdowns somewhere in there if it's a good one, right? You can get that level of production from most quarterbacks in the NFL, right? If you're you're in, say, a 10-team league, right, you can find 10 quarterbacks who can do those sorts of things. Now, when you have Patrick Mahomes, right, that's a guy that's pushing, you know, 400 to 500 a week, maybe three to four touchdowns. That's why it might be worth drafting him in the first round. And Lamar Jackson, obviously, you have all the rushing adages to his game. But outside of those two, like I said, there are multiple quarterbacks that you can find in later rounds that can give you high level production. Excuse that, man. (laughs) Do not disturb much. But y'all see what I'm saying? Don't get caught in that trap. I know it's fun to say, you know, I want to get the best quarterback. Don't fall into that trap. I'm sorry if y'all are hearing some background noise right now. Uh, I'm actually recording in my friend's car because our apartment, you know, I don't want to, you know, just for the sake of being a good roommate, I feel as though it's not fair to ask people in a common area to be quiet right because that's everyone's area so i'm not gonna do that but the walls are thin enough to where i'm not sure i'd be cool with recording in my room because that noise kind of bleeds upward and i'm still trying to get y'all the best product so shout out to eddie for being nice enough to let me borrow his very nice prius to record in i digress by my estimation you guys there are nine guys worthy of a first round pick Nine guys worthy of a first-round pick. And, you know, a lot of you guys are going to be playing in 10-team leagues, and I'll get into that. But here are the nine players that I think are first-round worthy. Christian McCaffrey. We all know what he does. And, mind you, this is not – I'm saying this for a PPR league, but generally all of these guys are very good first-round worthy picks in a non-PPR league as well. Christian McCaffrey. We all know what he does. We know how exceptional he is. Saquon Barkley. We all know how exceptional he is. Zeke Elliott. Consistent production. We know how exceptional he is. Dalvin Cook. Right? That new Minnesota system that emphasizes the run. Dalvin Cook eats in that system. Michael Thomas. Consistently at the top of the league for targets. Right? That dude is going to get the ball thrown to him frequently. You got Derrick Henry. I love Derrick Henry, man. Some of y'all might look at me crazy for saying that Derrick Henry is a first round pick. And when I picked him earlier in my drafts before. And here's the sucky thing about Derrick Henry. Before it was kind of a secret. That some of us, you know, a select few of us knew. Derrick Henry, his season might start a little bit slow. But consistently, by season's end, that dude is a freaking monster, man. He starts killing teams at the end. Now everybody's seen it because they went into the playoffs and he had such a a dominant run. But it was a secret for a very long time that Derrick Henry, at the end of a fantasy football season, when you need wins the most, right, come playoff time, that's the dude you got to have. But now he's probably going to be a first-round pick, which kind of sucks because I don't get that advantage. Um, But yes, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, we know what he's capable of. Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. And again, I'm still kind of iffy on the idea of taking a quarterback, but I'm willing to admit those two guys are probably first-round worthy. No Julio Jones. Right, I, I, I Julio is such a great talent, but I worry about how his offense is... It, it's nothing to do with Julio. It's not an indictment on his talent. I worry how much... Steve Sarkeesian in that that offense, right, how much they're going to use him. Because some years, they don't use him like they really need to. No Julio, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Josh Jacobs, no Joe Mixon. These are the nine players that I think are first-round worthy. That's it. Everyone else to me has some level of risk that I would not be willing to take for a first-round prospect. Now, like I said, there's only nine of these people, right? Which begs the question. This is what y'all are wondering right now. Reagan, what do I do if I have the 10th pick in my draft and all of these guys are gone? And that's a dilemma that we all face at some point in our draft, at least most of us. You make your big board, right? I highly suggest that you guys make a big board. But you make your big board. People get taken off. People get drafted. and, And it's your pick, right? You're on the clock. And you look at who's available and it's like, ugh, I don't like anyone. So you're either reaching for a guy, or you end up with a guy that you don't really like. I want to introduce you guys, excuse me, to a strategy that I like to call NYOB. The niab strategy. It's trademarked. Don't don't you can't say niab strategy. That that's Reagan Griffin's. But the Nyab strategy, the NYOB stands for no your opponent's biases. No. Oh my God. (laughs) It's not N-Y-O-B. It's K-Y-O-B. Because no starts with a K. Cool. So the Kyob strategy, the Kyob, the Kyob strategy means know your opponent's biases. And what I mean by that is that sometimes you are facing a situation where you don't like any of the guys that are available and you don't want to reach for another guy. That's when it's important to understand who you are in a league with and who wants what players, who has biases towards certain players. Do your research on that. Make sure you understand which people, which owners, right? I think they're changing the terminology around fantasy leagues now. I don't think they're calling them owners anymore. But whichever uh, team runners, I guess. Who has an affinity for certain players? Find these things out. Because I'll tell you, it's a good tool to have in your back pocket when you need it. Because when you're faced with that situation where you don't want to draft anybody... In the range and you don't want to reach for anybody you can go ahead and take somebody that you might not like but you know someone else really really likes I'll give you an example say you're playing with a Colts fan right this guy's a die-hard Colts fan he has the Peyton Manning jerseys all around blue and white he's sad that Andrew Luck retired <laughs> all that good stuff say you're playing with a Colts fan it's your pick. You're not really feeling anybody that's on the board, but you don't want to reach. But you see T.Y. Hilton's on the board. And you know this guy just loves T.Y. Hilton. Swears by T.Y. Hilton. Knows that that dude freaking he deems him to be a top 10 receiver. He swears he's a top 10 receiver even though everyone knows that he isn't. He swears by T.Y. Hilton. Draft T.Y. Hilton and then trade them for more than you should probably get for them is that simple and i know there's a level of risk there that's why i'm saying you have to know your opponent's biases kayab because if you know that someone has a strong enough affinity for a certain player you know that you're going to be able to get a trade off that ends up being in your favor right if you're in a league with me, and I probably shouldn't say this, right, because I'm sure that people that I'm going to be in leagues with are going to be listening to this, right? You all know how I feel about Carson Wentz. I draft Carson Wentz in every single one of my leagues. I make sure that I have Carson Wentz. If you're in a league with Reagan Griffin and you don't like any of the guys on the board, go get Carson Wentz because I promise you, I'm going to turn around and trade you more than I probably should for Carson Wentz just because I like him that much. Point blank, period. Know your opponent's biases. Rule of thumb, y'all, when you're making trades in a fantasy league, this is another tip. When you're making trades in a fantasy league, the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is the value that a given player has to the person that you're trading them to. Let me say that again. Hopefully it registers. The only thing that matters when you're making trades in a fantasy league is the value a given player has to the person that you're trading them to. Not the consensus value by the experts, right? Not the value that he has to you. The only thing that matters is what he's worth to the guy that's trading for him. And what I mean by that, right? T.Y. Hilton's nothing to you. You don't like T.Y. Hilton. You don't think Phillip Rivers can throw a ball that well anymore. Or you think that they're going to be a primarily, they got Marlon Mack and they got Jonathan Taylor. They're going to be a team that runs the ball first. Or you think that Michael uh, Pittman is going to usurp T.Y. Hilton as the number one receiver. Whatever the hell it is, maybe you just don't like T.Y. Hilton. But you know Craig over here swears by T.Y. Hilton. His value, T.Y. Hilton's value to him is what matters because he'll give you more than he should for T.Y. Hilton. Simple. Maybe you think Carson Wentz is injury prone. Maybe you think that, you know, whatever the case may be, right, you don't trust Carson Wentz, but you know Reagan Griffin will swear by Carson Wentz. That's the only thing that matters. What is his value to the guy that you're trading him to? Remember that, y'all. I want to give you guys three sleepers and three busts that I think are going to be in the draft this year. The sleepers obviously being guys that you might be able to sneak in, get at a later round than you should. And they're going to give you solid production. The busts being the guys that I don't think they're going to do all that well. I'll start with a sleeper. Devontae Parker hell of a season last year it's honestly confusing to me when I'm looking at these these big boards that these experts are coming out with that Devontae Parker isn't higher new quarterback right we all know what two is capable of still a rookie but he's not he's not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the word who knows if he's going to play this year or not um I think he will he seems healthy enough but Devontae Parker had a very very good season last year quietly in Miami because obviously no one cared about Miami last year but he put together a pretty solid season his numbers were up there in the top 10 I want to say for both receiving yards and receiving touchdowns don't hold me to that but I believe that was the case Devontae Parker probably like a fifth round pick if he was being rated correctly you might be able to steal him in like the the ninth or tenth round the way some of these drafts are going because people aren't Grasping the fact, again, because he was in Miami, that Devontae Parker has blossomed into a pretty good receiver. At least he was last year. Who knows if that was going to be a one-year wonder. But I have confidence. I have confidence that the dude is going to be solid again this year. Another one, Jonathan Taylor. I just talked about him with the Colts. Obviously, you still have Marlon Mack. But as good as Marlon Mack is and was last year, Jonathan Taylor is different, man. Physically different and i don't think it takes all that long for the colts to say you know what let's just give this dude the rock like i said philip rivers on the older side he's not throwing the ball like he used to i don't like the kid they drafted um to be his backup his name's eluding me right now he's out of washington big kid strong arm that's all he has though whatever the case i don't like him as a quarterback so i don't think they're gonna they do have Brissett still but Point being, they don't, they're do not they not that strong at the quarterback position. They are strong in the offensive line. They might have the best offensive line in the NFL. And they're strong at the running back position. So I do think Jonathan Taylor is a candidate to get a lot of touchdowns, possibly even a lot of yards, man. Possibly even a lot of yards. Because the thing is, you won't be able to load the box on the Colts, right, because you have T.Y. and Michael Pittman. You can't load the box on those two dudes because they'll make you pay for it. So I do think Jonathan Taylor is another sleeper. Brandon Cooks is my final one. He's a guy that consistently, he always puts up solid numbers, but it never feels like he's that good. I don't know why. I can't quite place my finger on why that is. Because you look at his numbers, the dude's always been a very, very good receiver. Whether he was in uh, New England, whether he was in Los Angeles, when he was in New Orleans. Now he's in Houston. He's always been pretty freaking good. Over a thousand yards, catching a decent amount of touchdowns. So now that he's really the only receiving threat that Deshaun Watson has, I expect for him to have another pretty good season. Granted, you do have Will Fuller, but we all know he's always injured. So the only guy that I really trust to catch the ball in that Houston team is uh Brandon Cooks. So, those are the sleepers. Let's move on to the bus. Thomas Brady, man. If you still think Tom Brady is just going to have this insane year with Gronk and, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who are we kidding, man? The Brady that we saw last year is who Tom Brady is now. The dude is well past 40. Father time never fails, man. Father time... Has never taken an L. And he comes for everyone. And I believe he has come for Tom Brady. And I know part of the reason why he left is because he wants to go into a situation where he's allowed to air it out a little bit more. His arm, I mean, even when he was in his prime, his arm wasn't that strong. So what makes you think he's going to be able to air it out now? Come on, man. Tom Brady is going to have, at best, a slightly above average season next year. At best. That Buccaneers offense constructed around the idea of throwing the ball deep. You can't just plug Tom Brady in there and say, oh, well, let's switch it up. Which is why another one of my busts, man, I don't think Mike Evans is going to be all that good for the same reason. Tom Brady is a short throw player. Mike Evans is a deep threat. Those two things will not work. Mike Evans, I believe, will take a drop. And again, this is not an indictment similar to Julio Jones on his talent. The system and the circumstances around him are what think, what I think is going to make Mike Evans suffer. The fact that you have a guy like Tom Brady, who I'm not sure can throw a ball past fifty-five yards downfield if that I'm not sure that's going to uh, that's not gonna spell very well for Mike Evans man those two things won't mesh finally last bust man Todd Gurley I hate to say it for Todd Gurley I really 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 hate to say that for Todd Gurley because I loved Todd Gurley I still love Todd Gurley awesome dude Stand up dude i loved his game at georgia i loved his game when he first got into the nfl i loved his story of tearing his acl still was a first round pick went out there and killed it for los angeles but the dude has arthritis in his knee y'all he has arthritis in his knee you don't get past that there's no getting past that. I mean, there's already been reports that he's limping around training camp. That they're trying to limit his reps. I mean, you can't get past arthritis in the knee, man. I hate it for him. I do. I, I hate it so strongly for him. I want to see him succeed, but I just cannot put my faith in that. He has arthritis in his knee, man. And I hate it for him. I do. I, I, I don't trust it at all I know it's, it's great that he's in his hometown You got dudes like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley To make sure that they don't load the box I think we'll get to see some pretty good runs From Todd Gurley but on a consistent basis Man He's just not healthy enough He's just not healthy enough to have the same Impact that he did before the arthritis So With that said Let's move into this Q&A. This is going to be a pretty short episode. Probably for the better. I'm not sure how much you guys' attention spans are. (laughs) Podcast sometimes runs like over an hour. I'm not sure if you guys listen all that long. But I want to move on to the Q&A to wrap up the show. This is a fantasy football specific Q&A. Starting with Mr. Jack Bloomfield, will Odell Beckham Jr. have a bounce back year? Yes, Odell Beckham Jr. will have a bounce back year point blank period that's a dude that i'm not going to be willing to count out for too long the real question is will baker mayfield have a bounce back here that's the question that i have in my mind odell has not become a worse football player odell never took a step back as a talent let's make that abundantly clear the reason why odell wasn't odell last year is because of baker mayfield and because they kept on running him on slam routes you know He's way too good of a receiver for it to have such a limited role. So the question to me isn't exactly will Odell have a bounce back year. It's how is he going to be used? How will his quarterback play? I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be as bad as he was last year. I do think the addition of Kevin Stefanski to Cleveland, right? He's a guy that brought that run heavy offense to Minnesota, So I do think that you're going to see a surge from Nick Chubb between Nick Chubb and and Kareem Hunt, I should say. But off of that, I, I think that Odell is going to have a bigger role, or not a bigger role per se, but more opportunities. But on the flip side, we did see a guy like Stefan Diggs become pretty frustrated with his lack of targets. But it does have to be said that Stefan Diggs was the number two receiver to Adam Thielen. So maybe being the number two receiver in a run-heavy offense is not a good feeling. But the number one receiver, I think Odell could, ha- I think Odell, to answer your question, Jack, yes, I think Odell will have a Odell-esque season this year. The Odell that we've all become accustomed to. Next question comes from Matthew Guadron. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Matthew. My apologies if I'm not. He's asking about potential free agents to pick up after the draft. Here's the thing. Do not pick up free agents immediately after the draft. Because that is literally a waste of time. Because you could have just drafted the dudes. But if you're talking about dudes you know, to just keep an eye on. In the the first couple of weeks to see what their production looks like. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Y'all know how much I love Denzel Mims, man. (laughs) I can't keep his name out of my mouth, bro. Denzel Mims is a baller. Denzel Mims is a baller. I want to scream it at the top of my lungs. Watching his tape brings me joy. Denzel Mims is so freaking good at football man it's ridiculous it is ridiculous and the fact that he's in new york right there's not too many receiving threats out there i know you have jamison crowder outside of him it's really thin you got a dude like sam Darnold, who i believe is a very talented quarterback put in a very sucky situation besides jamison crowder who the hell is he throwing to Quincy Noon was gone. Robbie Anderson is gone. Who the hell is he throwing to besides Jamison Crowder? Denzel Mims. Keep an eye on him. I, I have a hunch that he's going to have a pretty good year. Another one is Alshon Jeffrey. Um, As the Eagles fan, let me tell you, Alshon has definitely not been the same dude as of late. He's suffered through a lot of injuries. The way our offense is trending seems to be moving away from an Alshon S receiver, right? You you get a guy like Jalen Rager. You get a guy like Deshaun Jackson. You had a guy like Marquise Goodwin before he decided to opt out, um, a decision he made for his family. But you had all of these really fast guys, right? That's what the offense is trying to replicate, right? We want to have speed. We want to push. We want to stretch the field. We want to beat you guys with, you know, our, our blazing speed. That's not what Alshon Jeffrey does at all. But if he's just sitting there on the waiver wire. He's too good of a receiver to not get drafted, if you ask me. Even if the offense is moving away from what he does. Because he get just as easy. The rapport he established with Carson Wentz was pretty solid. Especially during that Super Bowl run. Really good rapport with Carson Wentz. So, if they could somehow tap into that. Alshon Jeffrey could put together a pretty good year. Who knows if they will. But, I'd keep an eye on it. Lastly ronald jones ronald jones is usc product shout out usc fight on and coming out of college he was i I very much liked his game very good at the you know the one cut and go makes things happen on the fly but he's yet to really put it together in the nfl and i wonder if that's a product of opportunity You had Peyton Barber down there taking some of his snaps, but I almost wonder, right, if Peyton Barber's taking your snaps, is it a matter because, you know, they're trying to do it by committee? Did you not show enough in practice for them to feel confident in you? What's the deal going on there? But he has been talking a lot of noise about stepping his game up because now you have Tom Brady and Gronkowski. This offense is supposed to be good. He wants to be part of that. I still am a believer in Ronald Jones. If nothing else by virtue of the fact that they're going to be trying to move the ball quickly, he's going to get touchdowns. Keep an eye on Ronald Jones. Next question comes from Mark Bowen. Mark asked me, Zeke number one, no matter what? No, Mark. <laughs> I mean, if you want to take Zeke number one, I'm not going to be mad at you, right? He's been one of the consistent top players in fantasy. I might scratch my head a little bit. If you ask me, the number one pick is far and away Christian McCaffrey. But you know, you're a Cowboys fan, Mark. I know you. So I know you're a Cowboys fan. So if you wanna if you wanna pull that rabbit out of your hat, by all means go Zeke number one, gift the number two pick to <laughs> gift the guy who has the number two overall pick with the greatest gift of all time and just handing him Christian McCaffrey if you feel so inclined. Finally, we got Jared Weinstein, the mastermind behind this entire episode. He came to me. He's like, Reagan, I need you to make a fantasy football inspired episode. I want to know what the things I need to do before the draft. I want to make sure I have all my stuff set because Jared, he wants to go win his fantasy football league. So thank you, Jared, for the idea again. Jared asked me, should Miles Sanders be picked in an early round? Y'all know I'm an Eagles fan. I always bring this up. I love bringing up that I'm an Eagles fan. Ever since 2017, bro. Ah, Those were the days. Anyways, should Miles Sanders be picked in an early round? Yeah, I would say so. He is... uh, The Eagles historically try to do the running back by committee thing, but I'm just not sure how many people they can feasibly put on that committee at this point. Boston Scott was good last year. He'll definitely get some snaps, but there's clearly a number one guy there, and that's Miles Sanders. And not only is Miles Sanders a darn good running back, he proved himself to be a hell of a pass catcher out of the backfield. One hell of a pass catcher. So if we're talking about total yards, he's going to have a really good season. So would I go second round for Miles Sanders? I'm not sure if I would go second round like I've seen some people project. I wouldn't be mad at you if you want second round. I definitely wouldn't go first round. But to me, the safest option would be to say, if he's there in the third round, take him. But if you have a hunch about him, maybe take him in the second round. But I definitely think he's an early round pick. Top three rounds, no doubt. Top three rounds, no doubt. So with that said, that'll do it for this episode of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. I'm currently sitting in a car right now just moved to my new apartment. I'm not sure exactly because I was hoping coming out to USC, right? Part of my hope was that the uh, the media center would be open and that I'd have access to the podcasting booth. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So we're, we're still on the computer. We're still on the blue snowball microphone, but we're still going to make it happen, man. Obviously, I'm back in school and that somewhat throws a monkey wrench into what i'm trying to do because my parents constantly remind me rightfully so i should add that school is my number one priority and i can't you know i'd be dumb to try to sacrifice my education to try to you know get a podcast off the ground or continue recording episodes so point being if there's a week here and there where i can't record you understand why it was homework it was a project it was a paper something like that came up but I'm still going to be doing the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show as much as I possibly can. I'm going to still look into bringing on more guests. That's always fun. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you go check out the Instagram and Twitter at the Reagan Griffin Jr. Oop, Not the, at the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show at the RG2 show. The Reagan Griffin Jr. Show was too long. Point being, go check out the Reagan Griffin. <sighs> I'm the worst outro guy this industry even when i do hoop and holler my outros are awful because you know what it is i go through the entire episode and i try to freestyle the outro (laughs) and i'm just so mentally fatigued by the end of the episode that the outro just comes out terribly i need to start writing it down that's what i need to start doing is writing down everything i want to say in the outro that way i don't have to worry about coming up with it off of the cuff but go check out at the rg2show on instagram and twitter that's where i'm trying to interact with y'all keep y'all updated about what's going on in the show like i said thank you guys so much for tuning in i'll see you next time